Hi there. Welcome back to the Out of the Cave podcast with Lisa Schlossberg. I'm your host, Lisa Schlossberg, a licensed social worker, certified health coach, personal trainer, and yoga instructor. If you, like I have, struggle with your relationship with food, eating, and body image, I am here with this podcast to guide you into healing the relationship you have with yourself through a trauma-informed, holistic, and mind-body-soul approach. Together, we can support you in building a lifestyle of more peace, freedom, safety, and power. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome. Welcome on a Saturday morning to the Out of the Cave podcast birthday party. Thank you for being here. Excited to celebrate. What questions do you have? If any. I have a question. Sure. So I know um, in the aftercare call, you were talking about like your Dr. Pepper craving. Yeah. And like, do you have days where you're just like, fuck it, I don't want to feel today? And like, do you, like, what do you do? Like, Cause like before I would be like, oh, I'll go get a piece of cake and then I won't feel this feeling. But now I go get the piece of cake and I still feel the feeling. And then I'm just pissed off. Uh, (laughs) Like, what do you do when you're like, I'm tired of feeling for, you know, right now. Yeah. That's such a good question. Thank you for asking that. Uh, For what it's worth. I have, I have that constantly. (laughs) So it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, I've arrived on the other side where like being a human is easy. Uh, no. So that's part of the reason I think it's important. Also, when I talk to you about, uh, you know, I keep going back to that visual of like the caterpillar and the butterfly, right? Where the butterfly is like, yeah, it's nice to like fly around and like look pretty, but also I would give anything to just crawl back into the cocoon and like not, not have to do all this. And so, Um, part of the reason I always appreciate that question is because I think it's important to continue sharing that, that is like, that doesn't go away for me, that the same way that um, sometimes when I've shared it at retreats, where, you know, I think anyone who's in recovery for an addiction can really relate to that, where it's like, I don't want to keep using drugs, but like, man, I really miss using drugs. It's like, it's, you know, it's option one and option two and option three doesn't exist. So like, I constantly feel that way and feel like feeling is exhausting. Um, so that's just the first thing there. So what do I do with it? Well, I actually had a a moment this morning where like full transparency, like I, I don't feel great right now, like physically, like I feel almost like I might be getting a little bit sick. Like I don't feel a hundred percent. And, you know, so I woke up and I'm like, it's fucking party day. Like I'm hype. Right. And like trying to get myself to like, feel good and feel happy and feel excited. And, and so part of my answer to that is, um, when I find myself trying to feel different than I do, that's, that's part one is there are going to be times where I'm just exhausted from being a human and I'm exhausted from feeling, and I don't want to do it anymore. And I don't want to think about this and I don't want to feel this. And, and so that's the other part of the answer is don't try to change that. Right. Sometimes it's just like, I'm just really exhausted from this and I don't want to feel it. And that's okay. So don't fight it and don't resist it and don't fear it. That's the second part of the answer. The third part of the answer is what do I actually do? <laughs> right? It's like, okay, great. So like, I get it. I don't feel the way that I wish I did right now. Well, I think there's a really healthy 
we have the opportunity to have a healthy relationship with things like distraction and escape. And that's something that also kind of has come up. I think in the membership, we've talked about this, but when it comes to like food used to be distraction or food used to be my escape or food used to be the way that I avoided things, you know, and then it feels like the alternative is to just never escape and never avoid anything. Well, that's not necessarily true. It's just about being really mindful and choiceful and intentional in how you choose to escape and distract and avoid. And so there are times where I know that I'm turning on the TV with the mindfulness and the consciousness of, I really want to get out of my own life. I'm going to tune into theirs and just like turn on the TV and use that mindfully, choicefully as distraction and escape. But there's a difference, right? So, and this is what it comes back to always is it's not about the thing you're doing. It's about, do you have power and choice and freedom in choosing to do it? Right. So for a lot of us with food, it's like it was just happening. We needed an escape. We needed distraction. And so we just like compulsively went for it. And you can still do that, you know, but can you do it from a place of choice? I want to distract. I want to escape. I'm going to use food to do that. Or can you do it from a place of, again, choice and freedom? That is, I'm choosing to turn on the TV so that I can give myself a break from this own human consciousness and all of that's going on inside of me. But the thing to pay attention to, in my opinion, is that you're doing it from a place of choice and freedom and power. And you're actually saying to yourself, hey, I'm not abandoning you. You know, I know what you're feeling and I know what's going on here. And I don't have to leave, right? I can stay here, but man, I'm tired. Like, I'm just going to turn on the TV for a little bit instead. And, and being in that kind of relationship with yourself, this is something Caroline Dewey has talked about at the retreats, where the difference that you want to pay attention to is, there's compulsive distraction and then there's mindful distraction. That is, I'm choosing this and I want this right now. And it's really okay to do that. That's another, I think, uh, skill and tool to really help us out of the compulsion around food and eating is what else can you use, not just for the happy chemicals, but also for distraction and avoidance. If that's what you need, it's okay. Okay, so sometimes we get a lot of shame around that but I just want to really normalize that. Like you can't be conscious all the time. You can't. And it's funny too. Cause I had a conversation with one of my best friends the other day and <laughs> I was just telling her about, you know, what's going on in my head. And her response was, sounds so exhausting. And I was like, it is like, I feel so validated when you say that because it is, you know, and every once in a while, when you have that moment, you're like, my God, I just want to put it all down put it all down. That's part of it. Okay. Does that answer your question? It does. I, in my head, like you just are feeling all the time and you're like, have all this energy. So it's very good to hear that you get exhausted and, you know, want to punch your own self in the face. Like <laughs> myself and others. I <laughs> That's also why I like to share these things. Cause like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not different. I'm not different. I promise you. It's really just finding ways to, to do it. Thank you for your hand. What's up? So while well, I was hearing you say that, like I put like I scroll. So I'm finding what's my distraction is just shifting. So food doesn't work for me, but now I'm scrolling. And I, even if I consciously choose to distract, then I get lost. Like I'm not at some point it becomes out of my control. And that's, what's hard for me is like, 
like food, you eat the bag of chips and chips are done. The phone never ends. And so that's where I'm really struggling right now is with the phone and trying to teach my kids not to do it. And I can't stop it myself. And then I don't want to delete Instagram and Facebook because all of you guys are there, you know? So it's like, (laughs) that's where I'm struggling. Yes. Thank you for saying this. So for what it's worth, back to, I'm not different. I'm so there with you right now. Like I have been working on this phone thing, bro. It's, it's really something else. We walk around with a computer in our pocket 24 seven. And I have just been reflecting also on how, just what that does to the nervous system, what that does to the brain. This is an area in my life, right? It's not, you can't see it and it's so normalized, but I am right there with you. Like really, really trying to pay attention to my relationship with my phone and social media and emails and all of the things. So that's something that if it's not already on your radar, anyone who's here, um, also pay attention to that because I think it's so, so, so abundantly normalized that we don't even know it. We don't even pay attention to how it's affecting us. So having said that, I'm right there with you. When it comes to the phone, I think, I mean, I totally hear you about like, you don't want to delete the apps because you might lose some things in some ways. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you delete apps. I'm not, because I'm also not going to do that right now. And I think it's worth considering that sometimes there is a place for abstinence, right? If what we're trying to do is, is really come back to a place of power. I think with the phone there are certain things we can do. And it's, it's the same as kind of the same framework that is meet yourself with you, where you are, take baby steps, be really honest about what that looks like for you. And so <clears throat> like, for me, it's about figuring out where you have power and where you have strength. So something that, you know, one thing that pops into my head is like, you can scroll, right? Even when you say like, you're giving yourself permission to do that. So go ahead and do that. That's okay. So you're noticing that where that doesn't work is that then it just kind of like gets a mind of its own. And then you lose all this time and you don't even realize it's happening. Right. So for me, this is almost where my like personal trainer brain comes in. It's like very, just like concrete uh, action item. That's like, can you experiment with something like setting a timer on your phone for 10 minutes and letting yourself mindlessly scroll for 10 minutes and then the timer goes off. Like just something to like bring into your consciousness and awareness that like, hey, it's been 10 minutes. Do you still wanna do this? And again, not with blame or shame or fear, like, oh my God, I have to put my phone down, right? So much of it is the relationship we have with it and the, the way that we are with ourselves in it. And so if you do something like that, I mean, I have time limits on my phone, on my apps, all like all the time almost. And so when I go to click on an app, it says you've hit your time limit. Do you want one more minute? Do you want 15 minutes or do you want the rest of the day? And so sometimes like there's that option too. Like I'm, the thing with our phones is you have, this is where we are really, really, really the parent and the child at the same time, right? And the child is not gonna just put its phone away because it's not good for the brain, right? It's like, we need to parent ourselves. That's like, I know that this is really addictive and I know that you wanna pick up the phone again but there's something about being really mindful and choiceful about it um, that I think is really important. And so that's what the time limit kind of helps me do is that when I'm mindlessly scrolling, it'll pop up after 15 minutes and be like, Hey, it's been 15 minutes. Do you want to do this again? And sometimes it's like, fuck yeah, I want to do it again. And then you could, you do it again. Right. But there's really, I think a non-judgmental awareness 
which is always what it comes down to, right? Is like, hey, you have unconditional permission to keep doing what you, you know, to keep doing this. It's just that we're going to lose a lot of time. This isn't how I want to spend my time. This isn't what I want to be doing. And continuing to kind of slow down and pause to really give yourself the opportunity to come back to like, what does it look like if you have freedom and power and choice to really act in alignment with yourself and your highest good? And sometimes that'll be like, fuck it. I want to be on my phone. But I think that's the thing. That's what I would look for is where can you operate as the parent, right? And say, I see you, I hear you pick up your phone, have a good time. And also I need to kind of like the Dr. Pepper story that you heard, you know, my experience that is like, when I need to put my foot down, I need to be able to put my foot down. And it doesn't mean you get to have all the power all the time. It doesn't mean I get to have all the power all the time, but let's kind of start to work together to figure out something that's going to work here. And another thing, by the way, that I think can be really game changer um, is I, I got an alarm clock instead of using my phone in the morning. Right. And like Simon Sinek, who I love talks about this, where, you know, sometimes when he would say, you put your phone down, like, do not look at your phone the first hour of waking up and people will be like, but it's my alarm clock. He's like, I could find you an alarm clock for like $6. Like, it's not a good excuse, (laughs) you know, like put your phone away. And that's something I've been working on a lot because I've noticed I'll roll over in my bed, wake up and check my email, which is the worst thing I could do to my brain. And then I feel it all day long. So anyway, so that's what I'm saying is like, I don't know that we have to go super deep on this one. This is about like, where can you intercept yourself? Where do you have power to say, let's change, let's change something about the way that we're showing up here. Um, The alarm clock thing, by the way, is not working out very well because Neville knocks everything off my nightstand every single night and he's broken three of them already. So I'm trying to figure out, trying to figure out an alternative. Um, But if you don't have a Neville, that should be helpful for you. And again, you're, you're just doing this for the sake of your own well-being, right? Remember that part that is like, you're not putting your phone away. Cause like you're bad. If you pick up your phone, it's not shame and blame and fear. It's like, wow, this really affects my mental health all day. This really affects my nervous system. Like I want to do what I can to help myself. And that's putting the phone away. I saw something the other day that I was thinking about that was like, <laughs> I wonder how many of you can also really relate to this. That was like, if you wake up in the morning or it's like, if you complain about your anxiety, but the first thing you do in the morning is roll over, check your email, chug a cup of coffee. It's like, pay attention to that, right? And so it's just that idea of like, you know, it's part of the healing is taking responsibility for the role that you play in it. And I think the phone is a really uh, helpful illustration of that. So thank you for asking that question. Yeah, super helpful. I know all the things I just, and I have the timers and I just ignore them. And, but what I was going to tell you for Neville is put command strips on the bottom of your alarm clock and they'll like velcro it to your nightstand. So he can't knock it over. Oh my, so brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) I would never in a million years have thought of that. I was, it was so funny because I, this is how extreme my brain is. I was like, I I think I have a thing of super glue around here. Like, like I was literally just going to like nail it into it. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. Neville will be so pissed off when he can't move that thing. I'm ex- extremely curious to see how that goes. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Okay. Other questions. Other questions. 
juicy stuff. Okay, here's a question. What do you say to the statement, all weight loss is fat phobic? How does your message align or not align with something like the body positivity movement or fat liberation? Okay, great question. So my whole thing is when it comes to weight loss, there's a, like fundamentally, I think this is what's going on here is that we kind of forget about boundaries. And what I mean by that is when people are pursuing weight loss or interested in weight loss or thinking about weight loss or whatever, um, coming from the perspective that all weight loss is fat phobic. Well, what that suggests to me is that if I, I'll use myself as an example, if I want to lose weight, it's because I either hate, fear, dislike, judge fat people, right? That's what that means. That's what that's implying is that if I want to lose weight, it's fat phobic, which is I fear fatness or I fear um, fat people or I judge fat people, right? It's, it's implying that that's where it comes from. And what I think is interesting about that, and part of the reason I don't personally agree with that or align with that is because that's rooted in other people. That if I want to lose weight and that's being perceived as fat phobic, well, that has nothing to do with other people or the or even the way that I feel about fatness as it exists. It's completely ignoring uh, the relationship that I have with my own lived experience. So if I want to lose weight, um, again, I think about when I wanted to lose weight. Well, if you ask me, like, why do I want to lose weight? Right. Well, it was like, well, I had a really hard time fitting myself into a bathroom stall. That was traumatic. Um, I, I have a hard time like sitting on an airplane, right? I can't fit without a seatbelt extender. I was kicked off a roller coaster. These are things that have nothing to do with being afraid of fat people or judging fat people, um, or even fatness itself. It's that I want to lose weight because this is my lived experience in my body. And I want to do something about that for me and my own experience. And so I think that's where for me, it's like, why would all weight loss be fat phobic in nature? Because even if it's not about other people, maybe, right. Sometimes it's like, well, then you've internalized the belief about fatness, about yourself. And you're judging yourself for that. And you fear your own self for that and all of that stuff. Well, again, that's coming all from a place of fear and judgment. And that just hasn't been my experience with it. When I want, again, when I wanted to lose weight, it was I want to improve the quality of my own life from a physical perspective. Um, and I want to experience more peace and freedom in my physical body. And that was one way that I could do that and have that. And so I think um, that's what it comes down to for me is not all weight loss has necessarily an element of fat phobia involved. I think it can, <laughs> certainly. I think a lot of weight loss does. Uh, but but I think the problem is suggesting exactly like you wrote in your question, all weight loss is fat phobic, right? There's, there's no such thing as all anything is anything, right? So I think that is kind of inherently the problem with that kind of dialogue or assumption anyway. So I think, um, and, and I, I have to be honest with you, sometimes I, I like really hesitate to say this because there's even fear around sharing this, but it was a probably a year or so ago, it was a while ago, but I was in San Diego. So not too long ago. And I was, I was going for a run. And while I was running, I saw someone who was in a much bigger body walking with a cane. And 
immediately the thought went through my head that was, I'm so grateful that I can do this. Like, I'm so grateful that I can run and that I have the freedom and flexibility to do that in, in the physical dimension. And there was a moment there where I felt really grateful that I don't have to be there anymore. I don't have to be there struggling to walk around anymore because I've been there. And I remember the days where like, if I walked for too long and my back hurt, like I, I couldn't walk for long, like too long. My back would hurt. My feet would hurt. My body hurt. And I had stress fractures from being so overweight as a teenager. And so there's an, there's a, there was a part of that where I immediately felt grateful that I didn't have to feel that way anymore. And then immediately following that thought was all of this fear and guilt and shame of like, am I judging someone for their body? Is this a fat phobic thought? Is this internalized fat phobia? La, la, la. Like the whole thing, like I got so scared of that. And then I really just was able to like spend some time with it, right? Not turn away from it, turn toward it and say, this is interesting. Let's, let's think about this. Let's feel into this. Let's look at this. And I realized that the part of me that felt grateful was coming from the part of me that was like, no, I've been there before. This has nothing to do with her. I don't care at all about, you know, what's going on there. That's that what's going on with her is what's going on with her. But what's going on with me is I'm grateful that I don't have to experience that anymore because I have before. And so it's not, that's why for me, it's like, it's not about my judgment of other people. I don't care at all what other people weigh, but I know what it's been like for me to be at that size. And I don't want to go back there. That has nothing to do with you. That has nothing to do with them. That has nothing to do with fat people. That's my lived experience that is informing what I want and how I feel. And that, again, is why I think so much of this comes back to boundaries and just seeing ourselves as individual people. And if someone wants to lose weight, it has nothing to do with you. I said, oh my God. I mean, this I just ramble about this really because I saw something online. I'm in this group. I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what Facebook group it is, but I'm in a Facebook group that I'm in because I like to monitor what goes on in this culture. It's not a Facebook group I necessarily align with or agree with, but oh man, oh man, I see a lot that goes on in there. And one of the things that was posted the other day was about, um, what was it? It was a post about how, oh, privilege. Privilege is, and they're talking about thin privilege. And I agree with this, by the way, that thin privilege is, not having your body be called an epidemic. Okay, so what they're suggesting there is thin privilege is not having your body or obesity, right? The word be considered an epidemic. And I think that's really true. That's really true. And at the same time, there's a part of me that looks at that and is like, no one is calling your body an epidemic. That's not what the medical model is suggesting. It's not about you. It's not about your body. It's about the fact that there is, to a degree, a lot that goes on in the healthcare system that is related to the word obesity. And there's just a lot going on there. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything about you and your body. That's not the intention of the conversation. And so I think that's just how a lot of it works is that it, it gets so personal. It, it may not be about me, but it feels like it is, right? Feels like, feels like. And that's exactly the point is it's not, but it feels like it is. And so what do we do with that? We really tell the truth that is 
this hurts. This feels personal. This feels like it's about me. This feels really hurtful, right? That, and that's so valid. That's the exact work, right, Catherine, because perception is everything. So, but that's the thing is like, how can we have conversations about this if it's if everything is gonna mean something, right? That it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that, but our perception is our reality. And so it's exactly that place. And those of you who've moved through the group curriculum, it's kind of like saying, right, are you still hungry or do you just feel like eating, right? Is this actually a personal attack or do you just feel like it is? Because there's a huge difference there and you have a lot of power there in actually telling the truth about the fact that it's different. And so that's kind of what I, I mean, even in some of the latest podcasts, right, where I was saying like, <laughs> If someone says to you, and this to me is so uh, important and because it's kind of back to that idea that's like, if you really, really desperately want to heal your chronic pain and someone like Nicole Sachs says to you, you got to work, you got to show up and do the work every single day, right? You might have to sacrifice your time and your comfort and your space. You have to show up and do the work so you can heal. It's like, okay, I got it, right? That makes sense. But if someone says to me, I want to lose weight. And I say, you got to work. You have to put in work for that. All of a sudden it's like diet culture and it feels really scary and it feels threatening and it feels like an attack. And it's like, this is not, this is not that it has nothing to do with you. The same way that if you told me, right? Like I want a million dollars. I'm like, cool. Have you ever had a million dollars before? No. All right. So you're going to have to put in work. You're going to have to show up differently. You're going to have to do something to get that right? In, in all the other areas, it's like, all right, that makes sense. And then when it comes to food and eating in our bodies, because of the culture and because of what we've been through, all of a sudden it's like, now it's a personal attack. It's not a personal attack. It's just true. But that's exactly, 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 exactly. The point is that it feels like it, even though it isn't. So I'm curious, what are your follow-up questions to that? What are your follow-up questions to that? Or how does that land? What is it like to even hear that or consider that? And you don't have to agree with it, by the way. What are your thoughts when you hear that? It's like for me, when someone like comments negatively about their body, I immediately like think they're like judging me or saying, you know what I mean? But in real life, in reality, it has nothing to do with me. It's all them thinking about themselves. And I had actually have a conversation with somebody about that that's close to me, like constantly harping on their own body. And I'm like, you make me feel so bad. And they're like, oh, like totally oblivious to that fact. I don't know. So it's just interesting. Yes. You're sharing that. I believe so much of this work is about understanding that we are all mirrors. <laughs> Everything outside of you is a mirror back to you. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, right? So if someone says like, I hate my body or whatever, and that triggers something in you, again, it's super valid. Like, of course it does. Of course it does. That's totally okay. And that's your thing to be responsible for in yourself right? That's the moment that you come back to you and say, God, it makes me so uncomfortable when they say this thing. 
that's my discomfort. That's my trigger. That's my responsibility. Right. And I think a lot of the culture is in this mindset of like, you are saying a thing that I don't like, you should stop saying it. Right. And to a degree, there's a lot, there's a lot of value to, you know, having a conversation around like, "Mm, that makes me kind of uncomfortable setting boundaries, all of that stuff. There's a place for that. But in, in this conversation, I think a lot of it is about coming back home to yourself and saying, this made me feel really uncomfortable. This made, and this happens with food and eating and exercise all the time, right? We see what other people are eating and we're like, should I be eating that way? Other people working out and we're like, I'm not working out enough. None of it is true. None of it is fact. It's just your immediate thought and reaction and response. And so that's when, again, you come back to you and you're like, no, 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 they're eating that way because that's them. You eat your way because you're you. They're working out that way because that's their body and life and whatever. There's nothing to do with you ever. Nothing that anyone else is doing has anything to do with you. And there's so much power when you free yourself from thinking that it does. So that's the, that's the invitation is if things get triggering, which they necessarily will um, take responsibility for that and free yourself. Only you can do that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Um, so along those same lines, I just have a, like, and it's something that I experience regularly and it goes along with the, it may not be about me, but it certainly feels like it is. So I um, suffer, I don't know if suffer is the right word, but I have like temperature dysregulation all over the place all the time, all the time. And most of the time I run super, super hot. And, and like my hands are like hot, my body's hot. And I can literally be like sweating and I, I get very sensitive about it because like where I work, you know, we, I have no temperature control of the environment. And so, and then I work with other people and I'm like, oh my gosh, is it hot in here? Is it just me? And they're like, no, it's just you. And I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with that. However, I do feel the need and I know it's just me, but I feel the need to over explain the fact that it has nothing to do with my weight. I mean, some of it, it does have something to do with my weight, but like 90% of it is my stress hormone, cortisol level, et cetera, et cetera. And, but I feel judged by people who are like, I'm freezing, how can you be hot? Um, So anyway, I just wanted to add that, like it's, it kind of goes with everything like that. because I can be sitting still and doing nothing and then have this big old whoosh, and it's not, I don't even think, so I don't even know that it's a hot flash because it could be, but for some reason, my brain does not go to, oh, they're judging me because I have a hot flash either. It's really just, oh, they're judging me because of what my body looks like. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you very much for sharing that. So much. And it's a really important point because exactly what you're saying is this is not just isolated to um, like food or exercise or any, it's, it's like anything. What comes to me when I hear you say that is also the way that 
you know, I'm always thinking about brain science and like what's going on with the animal brain, right? And I think any time we are triggered into the thought pattern of what is wrong with me, it it immediately feels scary. And that so many things can trigger that whenever you're in a place where you're having a different experience. So if someone around you is cold or someone around you is just chilling there and you're hot, immediately it's like the brain goes to this place of like what's wrong with me why am I this way why are they that way why are we different how are we different what needs to be like it's it's almost immediately triggering that because again if we think about the brain science of it all well we we have to feel quote-unquote normal we have to feel connected we have to feel part of the tribe and so I think there's just that element of like a very primitive if you feel different or other or separate in any way, it can start to really feel scary, in which case it makes all the sense in the world that you're like, let me just over explain myself. So, you know, let me like overcompensate for this fear. And let me just speak to the fact that we're not really that different. It's just this. And I have stress. Like, it's like, it, it brings up all of that. And again, makes all the sense in the world, but, and it's the invitation again, to come back to, there's a part of you that feels scared and you don't need to explain anything. You can, right? Sure, go ahead. Like if that'll bring you a little bit of peace and comfort in that moment to explain, go for it. But you can do that right from a place of love or fear and really just be with yourself. That is, God, it makes me feel like kind of uncomfortable, whatever it is, insecure, inadequate, scared, anxious. It's, it's It's the inside job of, I feel like I have to over-explain myself, but like, oh, this is just fear playing out. And how do I really just be with myself in the fear and know that that's, that's part of it. So amazing. And I really appreciate you sharing that because it is, it's, it's, it's anything. It's anything and everything. We live in a social context. We are constantly feeling judged for things that again, have nothing to do with us. It's just the perception. Allie, you have a question. Oh, I'm not sure if it's a question. We'll see how it comes out. Maybe there's a question in here. Okay. So uh, my saber-toothed tiger, as all you podcast listeners know that I'm pursuing intentional weight loss right now Um, and going good, doing all the things. um, And feeling really aligned. And so my saber tooth tiger, which I don't know how much of it is real or imagined is TikTok. So I have like a decent following on TikTok. Um, and even though what I, I like, I don't do this work on TikTok, like it's completely unrelated. Somehow my body still gets into the conversation and people think it's okay to talk about my, and I, like, I can set a boundary. That's no problem. The feet, actually <laughs> sidebar somebody with a million followers like didn't like what I had to say on TikTok once and like made a comment about how I gained too much weight during pregnancy so like that's where and like fuck you like it's fine <laughs> um but okay so then there's that so then those people who think it's okay to talk about my body and then like swinging the pendulum all the way to the other side of people like like doing like think pieces and like three minute videos on like another user's weight loss 
And like, I hear what you're saying, Lisa, you're like, a comp- like it makes complete, like this has nothing to do with you. And, and I can separate it that that's not mine, but that's a real space that I'm in. Cause in my real life, nobody, we are not having conversations like this. People are not feeling one way or another about my, or me. if they are, they're not talking about it. Right. But here on, on, you know, online, people feel really entitled to their opinions. And that's my saber tooth tiger right now. And to the fact where I even told Lisa, oh, I'll promote my intentional weight loss episode to my TikTok following. And I wound up not doing it because I was, that was my saber tooth tiger that people were going to cancel me, throw tomatoes at me or, or say like, oh, it doesn't look like you're losing weight or whatever, the whatever, wherever they land on the spectrum. So I just wanted to, I guess I had to get that off my chest. And I don't know if there's a question in there, but for me, this is all internet culture is the, is the fear. Cause like I said, in real life, it's not playing out anywhere like it is online. Thoughts. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I hear you. And for what it's worth, you have you have your out of the cave army behind you. Sometimes that helps me in my own head. So yeah, there's a few things here. And I think a really important point to discuss is just because it has nothing to do with you doesn't mean it's not supposed to affect you. Okay, so hear that. Just because it has nothing to do with you doesn't mean it's not supposed to affect you. So that comes back to both end. Having the awareness that people are projecting all their shit onto you, having the ability to separate yourself from it and know that it's theirs and not yours, right? That is step one, is separate yourself from it. Know that they, that's their own thing. And that's not actually about you. So certainly know that that's important and, and valid. It's not about me. And it still makes me feel scared and like shit. It's both right. And just, and that's, that's important because never ever is the intention of the awareness that it's not yours supposed to suggest that it's not going to affect you emotionally. Of course it is. But in order for it to not actually be a saber tooth tiger, and I'll get there, you have to know that it's not actually you. It's not actually about you. It's their own stuff playing out. So, okay, now it's right. And this is the other answer to the question is it's uncomfortable. It's not unsafe. So the more that your conscious input is they are the saber tooth tiger. They are the saber tooth tiger. This is the saber tooth tiger. The more your brain is going to feel like they're the saber tooth tiger. They're not. They're internet trolls. Right. So it's important again to know the difference consciously so that you don't fall into actually believing and responding and reacting as if they are life threatening. They're not life threatening. And so being in that, that is the space that you're talking about, Allie, where in order for you to show up and do what you want to do, you're constantly going to feel uncomfortable because people are going to make comments about you. People are going to make videos about you. People are going to project their shit onto you all the time. They already do. But the important thing is about keeping yourself in the awareness that this is really uncomfortable. It's not unsafe. They're not coming after you. It's not life-threatening. It's really hard. It's really hard. And it's going to be. But again, that's the moment where you get to come back to yourself and say, I see you and I hear you. And this is so hard because my God, anyone who's talking shit about me on the internet, like, of course that's hard. It's not supposed to not be hard. But the way that you stay in uncomfortable rather than unsafe 
is by remembering that it's a reflection of their own shit. It's not actually at you or about you. So it's not, nothing's going to make it uncomfortable. Option three doesn't exist, but I think that's the answer to it. And for what it's worth, by the way, there have been a few times, and I know you know this, Allie, but just as an example and an illustration of it, what this work looks like, there was one time more early on where um, I was being talked about in a way that was, you know, she's she's the poster child of diet culture and everything she says is harmful and all of that stuff. And I was getting really upset and really activated by that. And I, I noticed that what was happening with me was I was aware at least that this is, you know, this is their own stuff. This isn't true for me, but part of what I had to do there was I got really quiet with myself and what I heard and what came up in me was this really, really sad and scared inner child. They don't see me like they're not seeing me. They don't understand what I'm trying to do. They don't understand. They don't understand. They don't understand. They don't understand. And that could be related to what it felt like as a kid when my parents did not understand, when my sister did not understand, when my teachers did not understand, when my doctors did not understand. It, it was so, it took me all the way back to why that was so triggering in a way that had nothing to do with anyone. And, and there was nothing for me to do. There was nothing for me to do, right? And that's kind of the point is there's nothing to do in terms of like responding and reacting and burning it all down. It's going inward and saying, this is really hard and this is really triggering and this is really scary. But if I can actually be with and feel that fear and sadness, it's not going to feel like a saber tooth tiger because it's not. I can be present with it. Okay. You know, I sometimes think about the quote that's like, uh, I don't know where I heard this, but it was just kind of like, you know, are they living the life that you want to live? No. Do they have what you want? No. Do you respect like the life that they're living and who they are as a person? Like, no, not really. Okay. So why are you paying any attention to what they have to say to you? Like, it's just, but it doesn't mean it's not hard. It is hard. And I've been there and I'm, oh, I mean, you know this, I'm terrified of the people like barging my door down. I'm so afraid of the anti-diet police, like coming after me, but Hey, here we are. And the reason that we live in the culture that we do, right? It's so much easier in an immediate sense to hit the cancel button and just say, fuck you, stop saying what you're saying. It is so hard, uncomfortable, and exhausting to go inward and pay attention and take responsibility for my own triggers. I would much rather you just shut up and stop speaking. It is easier said than done. It is exhausting. You know what, though? I don't want to just end that there, though. It's not just hard and uncomfortable and exhausting. It's also really fucking liberating. It's literally like the path to peace and freedom is that you move through the world in a way where you're it, you're unattached to what's going on outside of you, really, because you don't you don't need it. You know that it doesn't mean anything about you. So what we're actually going for is like peace and freedom and power to live authentically and in alignment with ourselves. It's the path to that. So it is work, right? It's like anything else. It's like, if you want peace and freedom in a social context, it's work, it's work, but it also will serve you in that way. There is a return on investment. It's not just labor. I promise. 
Okay. For me, the self-judgment makes it confusing. Are you open to unmuting yourself and saying more about that? Yeah. So it's, it's as soon as I wrote that, I was like, can I delete that? Can maybe she won't see it. Um, <laughs> so I guess, you know, listening to Ali, I mean, I'm not a, a presence on the internet. In fact, I don't really engage with social media a whole lot. So I, I've, I've retreated from that in, in the last several years. So, um, so I don't have that experience, but listening to, to Ali and, and all the conversation that came before about um, others' judgment and how they make us feel with their comments, even when they're not direct, but we sort of internalize it or feel like it's about us. Um, I think for me, and I struggle a lot with boundaries, so I, I feel like maybe that has something to do with um, what I'm trying to say, and that is that I start to, I can internalize perceptions that I pick up from others to the point where I start to kind of feel like, you know, because I judge myself a lot and then I start to, it gets confusing for me because then I kind of look at it as um, negative validation of my self-judgment or I have a hard time like with boundaries in general. So sort of sifting through that and um, taking taking on what's going around me. I can start, I, I sometimes, a lot of times find it difficult to separate what's me, what am I feeling, what am I thinking, and what is uh, being put on me, or am I picking up? I'm not sure if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally makes so much sense. And I'm going to just read me too. I get so much worth meaning whatever from other people still learning how to have my own thoughts. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, you know, what we're talking about is like attachment and authenticity, right? And when it feels too threatening to really tap into your own authenticity, what is true about you, um, it's, it's kind of like low hanging fruit to like grab onto attachment. And it's like, well, I'll just think about myself, what they think about me, because I don't want to be in my own body feeling what I feel or thinking my thoughts or spending any, I don't want to be in here. It's a lot easier to just like latch onto whatever's going on out there. Right. So part of the reason I say that is because it's so normal, human, valid brain science that, oh my God, it's it, like, that's what, that's what it is. All of this is a function of the brain trying to feel safe. And I will repeat that over and over and over and over again every day until we both die, that it is literally so the most normal thing ever. All of these things are the brain trying to feel safe. And as Nicole Sachs sometimes says, right, safe in the unsafest way. It's like, it's not super effective. It also makes me feel like shit, but that's the intention of it. So we have to honor that. But I think on a deeper level, and I don't know, honestly, you tell me how this feels or if it lands, but part of, part of the reason I say that is because like, I might just be saying this because I feel like it's really important in a general sense. And we haven't discussed it that much yet is when we have judgment, when we are judging other people and, or when we're judging ourselves, judgment is rooted in fear, period, the end. There is no period, the end. If you are in a place of judgment, judging other people or judging yourself, it's because it's rooted in fear. When you are not in fear, when you're in a place of love and acceptance and openness and your highest self, you're not judging, 
You're not judging. You might not love everything or resonate with everything, but you're not judging it. And so judgment is always fear. And the, the important thing I think about this is that when you notice that you are, you know, either internalizing other, other people's judgments or you're reflecting, you're seeing your own judgments reflected in other people or anything like that. I think there's a lot of power in knowing that judgment is fear and it's not true. It's not the capital T truth. It almost to a degree doesn't matter if it's yours or theirs, nature or nurture, right? It's all because if you are in a judgment spiral, you are not connected to your highest self, your highest knowing. That is, you are unconditionally lovable and worthy and all of the things. And so I think it's just also important that is if you're in that place of like, but they're judging me and then I judge me. It's like, just pause with the judgment and come back to like, what is actually true about you? What is actually true on the deepest, deepest, deepest level? And that's where you're, that's the real truth. And that's, that doesn't feel like judgment. Judgment doesn't exist on that level. So I think, again, it's all an invitation to come back to what you really know, even if you don't feel like you know it in the moment, that is unconditional worth, value, love, belonging, connection, all of it. That is, that is your actual truth. And anything that pulls you out of that, you just forgot, right? You just forgot because you're so human and you have an animal brain and that's, of course you're going to forget, but that's the relationship I like to have with it is I forgot and I'll remember again and I'll forget again and then I'll remember again, but to try to not take it all so seriously because it's all a reflection of your animal brain trying to feel safe always. And this is something we talked about in aftercare recently, but shame can be such a survival mechanism. We just fall into a shame spiral because it feels safe and comfortable there or familiar anyway. So also just knowing that it is a function of the mind-body system. Can you just talk a little bit more about the shame being a trauma response? Is that even what you said? I just yeah, would love to hear more. Yeah, shame can be a survival mechanism. Shame is a way that we have found to keep ourselves safe. And it could be a lot of different reasons. You know, I think one of the questions that comes up about it, I think Catherine, you might've asked this is like, is it, is it necessary to always know like why, or like what the genesis or the origin of the shame is? And I think sometimes that can be really helpful, but ultimately, you know, why do I sometimes fall into a shame spiral? Well, I notice that, um, I like to have total control over everything. And actually I don't, and that still sucks for me constantly. <laughs> and so what I will do without any awareness or consciousness is I'll just blame myself for everything because then what? Well, at least then I have control over it. At least then I know where to blame. At least then I know what to feel bad about. At least then I can give myself a semblance of control, which what does that come down to? A sense of safety. So it could be that. It could be, right, well, what's the benefit of shaming myself? Well, if I shame myself, it won't hurt so bad when other people shame me, right? There could be, it could be a few different kind of flavors of it, but it's a really, to me, about understanding that when shame comes up, um, it's, it's a paralyzing force and that's just physiologically factual. Uh, but part of the reason we go there so often and it can feel so accessible 
and comfortable in a weird way to go there is because it feels that way. It feels like we're back in control and it can feel like a sense of safety, even if it sucks, even if it's uncomfortable. So that's, does that kind of answer your question in some ways? It's survival. You know, what's interesting. So many people feel the need for control. It leads to people all working against each other in so many areas of our lives instead of working together as a community. Yes. Yes. And that's part of, uh, I think I shared these slides at the retreat, but when we're talking about kind of like, if we make it really binary, like the, the lower self and the higher self, right? When you're connected to your higher self, it's a knowing of oneness. Like we're all the same. We're all the same. And we're here together. There's an essence of community and, and safety and connection. Like that's, that's part of the, the higher self the lower self, when we're in judgment, when we're in fear, right? That's the us versus them mindset. I'm up here, you're down here. I'm over here, you're over there. We're different, right? It's focusing on how we are not in a community and not connected. And it's not true. That's part of the forgetting. That's part of the forgetting that we're all the same. Gabor, Gabor Mate talks about this in his TED talk, right? Where he says, we look at people with addiction and we say, that's them. And we don't want to be like them. So we make ourselves feel different. We're not different. We're all the same. So that's an important point. That is when we're in that place, we feel the need to control everything, manipulate everything because we don't feel safe. So, and also the other thing that to me is, is related to this very much and kind of goes back to that question about like, is all weight loss fat phobic or whatever? It's, it's about, you know, there's this belief I actually feel this is really important and I'm very curious if it makes sense to you guys. There's the, the, the belief, right? That if someone is judging people by their shape and size and weight and body, that it means that they're coming, that their judgment is, um, how do I want to say this? That they're really judging you for your body, right? That like other people are making comments or making judgments about your body. And it's like that simple cut and dry. And those people who judge, well, they're bad and we shouldn't do that. But I think the truth is that if anyone is judging anyone on a body weight, shape or size or anything else, not only are they reflecting the way that they judge themselves, but why, why is that happening? Well, they're judging themselves because what judgment is fear. It's fear. It's all rooted in fear. So of course it's not okay for people to be judging each other based on their weight, shape, and size. But I think the bigger problem is that we respond to that fear with more fear when there's not really a consciousness or an awareness that the reason that's happening is again, yes, maybe because they judge themselves that way, but why? Because they internalize the culture because they were shamed into it because they fear themselves. And it's all, it's innocent. It's not harmless, but it's innocent. And so much of the way that we judge everything else outside of us, again, is not just a reflection of how we judge ourselves, but it's how we're afraid. It's a mirror to what fear we hold because we're spiritual beings having a physical experience with an animal brain. And a lot of us have a lot of fear. So I think that's also important is no one's just judging you in a vacuum for no reason. They're judging you because they're afraid of something that's happening within them. Any other questions or just thoughts, feelings, reflections? What's what's going on in your brain as you hear all of this? 
<laughs> it makes total sense and I hate it. <laughs> uh, there it is. Someone had to say it. Right. It's definitely resonating. I agree that I love it and hate it. Beautiful. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That means I think we're telling the truth. It's just kind of where I am right now. I'm really like in my journaling, I'm trying to be really curious and just pull the thread when I'm, you know, just dumping it on the page. I'm like, well, why do you think that? And why are you feeling that way? And where I am right now is personally uh, and, and taking all of this in <clears throat> again and again and again, because it just, it takes a while for, um, to hear it, to really hear it. And I can witness many times my brain trying to protect me by just like scrambling the feed. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? I know there was something there, but I can't quite access it. So um, anyway, so I, I just, when you asked, I felt compelled to just make the comment because maybe others are feeling this way. It's difficult to articulate. Like it's the over, I feel over overwhelmed like and I know that I want to control everything like I totally acknowledge that about myself I want to understand it all I want to fix it I want to do the things um which keeps me just swirling so I don't know I just when I uh can connect with you talking through like the individual pieces when I can have that kind of attention then it's calming and I can take it in. And then as I step away from it into the, you know, my life, then it starts to kind of, it just starts to, to, to swirl and get big and overwhelming. And um, it's not really a question. I'm just kind of sharing my, what's in my, my head as we're talking through these things. Thank you for sharing that. I really hear you and, and really relate, especially from that place of, I really like to have control over everything. And then when I don't, it makes me feel a whole lot of things. And then I try to control it and fix it and do even more, right? I like speed up when really what I need is to slow down most of the time. I hear you so much. And I really do appreciate you sharing that. You're very not alone in that. And also what I can promise you I don't promise things very often. It is a practice and it will get easier and it does become more habitual. It really does. So I see you showing up and making that your intention and doing the work. And even though it kind of sucks, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. You are doing it. And that's the biggest thing. Proud of you for that. Thank you. So I just wanted to add piggyback, whatever you mentioned, like you need to hear it over and over and over again. And so as a teacher, you know, I go to like, that's what kids need too. They need to learn something over and over and over again. And often from different angles or different approaches or different modalities before they can internalize it. But that also brings me to like a food related thing. So when my kids were little, and I'm sure they still say the same thing today, and I think, Lisa, we've actually talked about this in something, whether it was group or aftercare, but um, it was probably in the like 
the division of responsibility, how like you can't just like put broccoli in front of your child and expect them to eat it right away. They need to be presented over and over and over and over and over again before they are even willing to try it, let alone even liking it. So I don't know, it just, that was just something that came to my mind. And um, along those same lines, one of the daily affirmations that Danny Fagan puts has out that I listen to, I do listen to every day in my car is I listen to podcasts and read books to keep my beliefs strong. So like we need that reminders, at least I do, that we're on the right track. Anyway, it was just a thought when you were said that, like, I need that too. Yes. Constant reinforcement. Thank you for sharing that. I completely hear you on the division of responsibility thing. That's exactly what it is. And yes, exactly. Constant reinforcement. It's really important. Any, any, in anything, I do the same thing. I, there's a quote from one of the speeches I used to listen to. That's like, sometimes the nicest voice in your head is your own and, or like the only voice, like something like that. But the whole idea with that was like, if you need positive reinforcement, if you need nice voices in your head, find them, put them there, like give that to yourself very consciously, very intentionally, because if you know, I mean, maybe it was actually the meanest voice in your head is your own, right? And it's like, you, you have to do what you got to do to like rewire and it's not going to happen by itself. So just making that like mindful choice, which is, I mean, I think all of you know this about me at this point, I love motivational speeches and I'm constantly fueling my head with them. And that's not random. <laughs> Sometimes I need them. So yes, self-awareness, plug. I've been marinating in this work for over a year now. I'm finally seeing big changes in my life, exclamation point. <laughs> yes, so happy for you. Very proud of you. If you feel like sharing anything, please, please do. No pressure, but really glad to hear that for you. Yeah, it's it's so strange. I I, I don't know. I just I just feel like all of a sudden, it's just everything's clicking. And it's, I'm getting emotional talking about it because it, it, I don't know, it's just been such a huge change. Uh, and, you know, after the 14 week initial group, and I felt like uh, I haven't changed at the end of the group. I just felt like uh, uh, as other people like had all these awakenings and I felt like, uh, you know, what's wrong with me? And there's nothing wrong with me. It's, it just takes more time. And I'm 54 years old. It took a long time, a lot of, a lot of, um, I don't know, socialization and, and, you know, to get to this point and it, it doesn't undo itself. Even in that initial 14 weeks, it takes time. It takes constant uh, reinforcement on my part to keep journaling and to do those challenges where every day I'm doing it, doing the work. And it just, I don't know, it just seemed to all of a sudden hit while I happened to be on vacation in Jamaica, like all of a sudden I was just, I don't know. And I think that helped too. I mean, how can Jamaica not help? Um, so it, it was just, it just felt like everything came together at once and I would react to things differently than maybe I would have before, like on vacation, you know, my husband and I were always you know, there are always conflicts on vacation. It's not a vacation if we don't have some kind of d major disagreement during the vacation. But this time, how I reacted to things was different. I didn't take things on as my own. 
Not that he ever asked me to, he didn't. <laughs> that was all on me and how I was raised and how I saw my own family and, and how I saw my mother react to my father's moods. I just automatically did that with my own husband's moods when he never said to do that. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm realizing, oh, his, you know, maybe not being in the best mood has nothing to do with me at all. And I'm not taking it on. So this, this was like a huge realization. And I know this work was about out of the cave and diet culture. And I mean, that's why I went into this was for that. And this, this really had nothing to do with that. It had to do with my relationship with my husband. And so it's affecting parts of my life that I just don't even, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, um, I'm amazed and I'm excited and I'm very emotional about it. And, and I think the retreat, I mean, the retreat happened. And, you know, so I, I think just all that exposure there, it was just exposure therapy for me. So that's it. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm on fire. It's crazy. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> we're so you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. That. Thank you. I am so, so proud of you. So happy Thank for you. you. Literally just like, yes, yes, yes. Every single word, <laughs> every single part of it. <sighs> this stuff really doesn't happen overnight, but you really keep, keep showing up. You keep showing up. That's it. You keep doing the work and you're not giving up on yourself. You're not giving up on it. Belief, do the work, <laughs> patience and kindness mm. for yourself. <laughs> it's like you are <laughs> doing it. And I just, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Right. But at the same time, it's like the most amazing thing ever to hear this also because yeah. Amy, I will always be here to reflect you in the, in all of our calls in the beginning, it was what's going on. Nothing. I'm good. Right. So it's just even <laughs> having you like see and like be so present and alive and sharing is it's you're, it's like you, you're reflecting it, you know, what's going on inside of you, you are reflecting it. And by the way, Yes. Coming out of the cave and diet culture and la da 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 da, all the things about food and eating. But I will remind you, I will remind you over and over again. This is about using the relationship you have with food as the mechanism through which you learn how to reparent yourself. It starts with food and eating, it starts with body, it starts with all that stuff. But it never is actually intended to end there because it is the path that you follow to come back to yourself. And it actually has everything to do with everything that you're saying. That is instead of reacting, taking it personally, clenching up and living in a story, right? You were able to actually have perspective and safety and peace in saying, wow, there's a boundary between us. That's his, not mine. I don't need to make it mine. I don't need to live in a story. I don't need to get all tight and scared. <sighs> right? And yeah. it everything to do with your relationship with food, right? Because what would happen if it were, let's say the old way, right? We get really tense. We get really contracted. We live in a story. And then what's a really good way to feel safe and cope with that food and eating, right? None of it's unrelated. You are the system, which is also why it takes a while. It takes a while because it's not about food and eating. It's about the way you're living your life. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, you all know I could be here forever. If anyone would like to ask 
I would say maybe one more question before we go. No, good question. Someone asked, did I talk about the program? Thank you for asking. I forget, I forget to offer things. So the next program will start in January. So anyone who is interested in joining me for 14 weeks, it will start in January. And then in terms of the cost, there are a few different uh, plans, options, et cetera. So if any of you are interested, you can always DM me, email me, fill out the form on my website, any way that you want to connect and we'll get on a call and we can talk about all of that details, logistics, payment plans, options, et cetera. It's actually, um, it's almost half full already the next group in January. So if you are interested, I would say hit me up ASAP. Any final questions logistically or anything else? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you for doing this, Lisa. The we appreciate you very amazing. much. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Guys, I really appreciate you so much. So, so much. And I really mean it. Like I've had, I had this visual sometime recently where I was feeling like, you know, there was, I was going through a rough patch and um, I just had this like visual of like the out of the cave community, just like being behind me. And I really think that that's part of the reason, um, you know, I feel a little bit more safe and comfortable to keep showing up is because I have my people with me. So I really, I really thank you for that. It means, it means a lot to me that we get to do things like this. Um, it is, it's like a big group hug. <sighs> I feel that way. Guys, thank you. You mean the world to me. You're my favorite people. I love what we get to do here. I love what we get to do here. Thank you for showing up. And if you, as always, if you at any point have any questions, um, want to talk more, please, please, please feel free to email me, lisa at lisaschlossberg.com. Thank you for being here. If you need anything ever, please never, ever, ever hesitate to reach out to me. Thank you for celebrating my birthday and my baby child, the Out of the Cave podcast. I love you so much. Have the best weekend of your whole life. And I'll see you all again soon. Mwah. Bye, fam.